Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. I don't even know if I ever applied for the job. I just showed up here one day and didn't leave. <laughs> Mesdames et Messieurs. The greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Oh! You can do it! You can do it! Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! But that is an Olympic champion. Ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever, the podcast for Olympic fans. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello. How are you today? I am doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, this weekend in many countries around the world, it's Mother's Day. So we thought we'd get a mom on to talk with us. and, and... Not just me. <laughs> Not just me complaining about my daughter. <laughs> Well, she doesn't listen. It's okay, right? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> she doesn't listen to me and she doesn't listen to the podcast. So, <laughs> One of these days, maybe she'll just get into the archives and be like, Mom, can't believe you said that about me. <laughs> Probably best she doesn't. But in celebration of Mother's Day, we uh, are delighted to be joined by Sherry Von Reason. Sherry is the Athlete Services Coordinator at the U.S. Olympic Committee, but really everybody calls her the team mom. So we talked with her about her job and what she does for the athletes. Take a listen. Sherry, as uh, Athlete Services Coordinator, what are your official duties? Okay, I was going to say my official duties are, how do you say unofficial, it's whatever mom will do. I do set up the athletes with uh, sponsors, donors, people coming in to meet with them. I, if the athlete has uh, to go in for surgeries or something like that, I'll be here at this end making sure that things are set up for them. If they're coming in for some testing or something, I just let them know I'm here in case they need anything. If parents come in, I'll meet with them and tell them the little ins and outs about staying here on complex because we love to have them stay here with their athletes when they have uh, any types of surgeries. I listen to the athletes as we get closer to the games. Things get more intense. I tell them to come in and scream and yell and get things off their chest and give them to me because I don't take them home with me. And it's nice to set them at someone's feet and I just listen to them. Now, do you live on the complex as well or are you going home at night? No, I've lived here for 20 years. You have, okay. I said, I, I'm one of those people that I actually laughed about selling my house to my kids and I ran away. <laughs> and 
really truly happened. And I just told him, I said, here, you got everything and you get to take care of me when I retire. And so, yep, they're prepared. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get the job? Uh, well, I actually worked with gymnastics, and I worked with a coach up here, and I would come up. I uh, lived in Parker, which is about an hour away, and I'd help them raise money and uh, be sort of a team manager. And I got to know people up here on the uh, complex, and I don't even know if I ever applied for the job. I just showed up here one day and didn't leave. <laughs> didn't tell them. <laughs> and I worked with gymnastics before that, and we actually had a group because we felt like with our kids, again – we need role models that are close to the way we believe, the way our lifestyles are and stuff like that. So each of our young gymnasts, my head of son, uh, would pick someone going to college or whatever that was on the national team for gymnastics. So we actually started a group called the Moms, and we would travel to championships, Olympic trials, and we would bring, uh, we'd all bake up cookies and stuff like that and bring toys, and then we'd open up a room where the athletes could come in and just relax and have fun. We had read this at a college uh, prior to taking some of the tests at one of the law schools. They would set up in the library a little place for the uh, uh, students to relax, to play games, stuff like that. So those times we'd bring little water guns and they'd have little water shootouts down the hallways with water guns and stuff like that. And then our uh, our kids got to see and know some of the uh, most amazing young athletes in the world. So then that kind of morphed into spending time at the USOC and and uh, taking on mm-hmm. the same role there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was good. I came in and um, I worked up at the front desk, and then I just got. I'm older. I'm. I could have retired years ago, and so I just got the name mom that sort of carried over from um, the moms group we had. And uh, I got to actually create my own job because being here on Complex, I felt like, you know, they respected me enough that they were going, you know, you know what works, you know what doesn't work. And so I just created my own job. That sounds pretty perfect. It is pretty. It is. uh, Why am I still working when I could have retired a lot of years ago? It's I love my job. And these athletes keep me young. And they also teach me that change is so important and exciting. So you've been there for 20 years. What kind of changes have you seen with the athletes themselves? Uh, this is a generational shift. Yeah. Yeah. Generational change, I think, social media. I, I would love to see, you know, everyone actually spending more time one-on-one. And that's what I love about the training center. It is the one place where... 11, 12 different sports all get together. And, uh, I mean, it's the same thing almost like at the Olympics. This is where all the sports combine together, get to share stories, uh, get to share how much they do have in common instead of how much they don't have in common. And so they can sit around here and um, talk about, you know, what their sport's like, what their NGBs, uh, and they have more in common than they don't have in common. Okay, so what they have in common, are they all messy? Messy? Yes. (laughs) No, no, not at all. Actually, we have a lot of Paralympic athletes here, too, and uh, I do dorm checks once a month. We all do them just to make sure everything's working in the rooms, the lights, the sinks, the faucets. Also, we will just make sure that they do keep any food, et cetera, that they keep in the rooms and containers. 
because we can have mice or we can have ants. So it's teaching them to be clean. Uh, they all do their own laundry. They're all, we have a couple of them that are outliners and uh, might have to say, talk to their NGB and say, just have them clean up a little bit more. But they have roommates. And uh, most of them over here in the, in the main dorms have roommates. So they are accountable and they know that. So, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I would say 99% of them are very, very clean. Many of them we have is neat next to. They can teach me a thing or two. <laughs> How many people live on campus year-round? Probably year-round about, I'd say, 95 or so. Oh, wow. And then uh, in the wintertime, we'll get more of the winter athlete. I mean, in the summertime after uh, season is over, a lot of our winter athletes will come back here. Uh, again, the exciting part is we have more Paralympic athletes now than we probably have able-bodied. Uh, they are a kick. Uh, they're wonderful, strong athletes. So it's nice to have that variety to actually have. Because, again, this is the place, you know, you can have the Olympic Games, you can have the Paralympic Games. They're separate. Here, everyone is together. They said we have a place called the Table of Trust. You don't really talk sports there. You talk other things. It is a Table of Trust, but it's this positive, upbeat table where everyone just laughs. And, you know, we've got the Game of Thrones going on now, so people will sit at the table and say, well, i got to get up and leave. I haven't seen it yet. They all get, uh, all get together in different rooms and watch shows, and it's just a very popular place. When does it yeah. get busy? It gets busy year-round, and uh, but the exciting thing is, is as we get close to the, especially the Summer Olympic Games, we have a lot of the big guns, the uh, top athletes, swimmers especially that come in. Swimmers are probably one of the ones, again, I know the most. They'll come in here and stay anywhere from one to two weeks to maybe a month. Then they'll rotate out and then come back and all train together. Uh, we'll have maybe like Berkeley and Stanford come in, Bob Bowman's Arizona, will all come in so they get to spend time all together and then uh, stay here on complex. So when the swimmers are coming, what do you need to be prepared for? What trouble do they cause? They cause no trouble. Actually, <laughs> I, like, I like the uh, athletes. I mean, I like the athletes that are a little cutting edge. The cutting edge athletes keep me on my toes. They keep everybody on their toes. They're all very, very respectful. Um, probably the one thing that would take me over the edge is if they're not respectful, we try to be respectful here, and they know that. The one name, if we go for top names, I've known Michael Phelps since he was 15, and I can be a mom to him. You know, I could sit there and say, oh, you know, what's going on here, et cetera, et cetera. In fact, when he did retire the first time, because when he came back, I went, what do you what do you, you understand about retiring? But it was great that he came back. I mean, I've seen him grow in so many beautiful ways. But the first time I asked him what his favorite book was, and he said, How to Train Like a T-Rex. And so the last day he was here, I sat him down, and I said, My grandkids aren't here. And I said, I looked, brought the book, and he said, You're going to read it to me. And I went, Yes, I'm going to read you your book. So I sat there and read his book to him like, like a grandma would with her kid. <laughs> What are some of the things the athletes do to keep you on your toes? They just, well, one time uh, I'd parked my car outside and I was in a hurry and I would, shouldn't have parked it there, so they put a ticket on it and said it was going to be towed. Another time I had a small room downstairs across from the dining hall and they spent the whole night filling it completely up with balloons. 
So when I tried to get in the morning, I couldn't even open my door, and I had to grab my camera to take pictures. So I had to get down on my hands and knees and crawl through the balloons to find my camera. They just do fun things. They'll test me on different shows, you know. Hey, you need to watch this. You need to watch that. They, they're they just they're mischievous in a positive way. So have you ever had to send them to their their room, you know? Go to your room without any supper now, <laughs> Michael Phelps. No, I was, yeah, no, I was going to say I, um, you know, I'll get mad at him for little things. I mean, the advantage I have in my job is I'll see a situation, I'll work through the situation, and I will forget it. If I'm a little upset with someone, I literally have forgotten the next time why I was upset. With this many kids, athletes going through my life, I have to move stuff out and put new stuff in. And, um, you know, they've never been disrespectful. They'll come to me with a lot of situations they're going through. They trust me. And uh, I think because of that trust, they're very respectful. They don't ever push those kind of buttons. When you go to the Olympics, what do, what do you do there? Most of the time, uh, the last uh, Olympics I've gone to the P&G house, Procter & Gamble house. And it is truly an amazing place. It's sort of like a mini training center. Uh, P&G, bless their hearts, they're wonderful. Uh, the families come out, and it's the largest platform they've ever been on in their life when they come to the games. And sometimes it's like, well, what do we do? What's our next step? And so Procter & Gamble actually put a place out for their parents where they can come in. They can have lunch and dinner, and they can watch big screen TVs. Uh, they have a, a Pampers room where... Uh, kids can come in and the little ones can play. They have an area designated for that. Again, it is a place where all the parents from all the sports can come in. They had a Facebook once. It was great. Where they can actually talk to each other and share stories and strengthen each other. It's a place of celebration. And uh, they can strengthen each other with situations they've been through. They've become great friends. But the other thing is if the athletes want to meet the parents, before you might have to, I think we had an AT&T room too, but you'd, you'd try to meet on a street or at the hotel. If you get into the village, that's great, but it almost takes a day worth of paperwork to get the athletes in the village. And then the kids, athletes feel like, you know, they have to take care of their parents when they're here to concentrate on the games. So this way, the parents are in one spot. Usually it's tried to be centrally located. In London, it was great. You just jumped on the uh, tube, came right down to the house. They can meet the parents. They can eat. They can sit around and chit-chat and talk. And then they can get up and leave. And the parents have a comfortable place they can call home also. And so I spend a lot of time out there with the parents, talking to them, get to, getting to know them. And... Um, arranging different things if the I know the athletes are on the way out letting them know hey they're going to be here in a little while etc cetera, etc cetera. do you get to go to any of the events while you're there uh usually I'll get to pick one event and go to it one of my first events that I went to uh, my first games were in Salt Lake City and um I was I knew Apollo Ono and all the speed skaters so I went and bought tickets for the game and um Come to find out, I got tickets for it, and uh, so the first one I ever got to watch was Apollo, and uh, all the kids were out here when their gold medal, uh, when his gold medal. So it was it was very very exciting. Now, do the athletes ever argue with you and be like, "Oh wait, mom loves me more because he's coming because she's coming to see my event"? <laughs> Although sometimes, Paul, I love you more, and uh, people will always say, "Well, what sport do you like the best?" or "What 
asset do you like the best? You don't really ask that to a, a mom. <laughs> <laughs> I love you all. You know, I love you all. Now, sometimes I'll kid him and I'll just say, yep. I said, uh, <laughs> one of the ones that I love to kid him with is, because um, I've known him for years and years, is Berkeley. The coach is the team. And I went, I like Berkeley best. So there, you know, <laughs> but they know I'm kidding. That's when they do something wrong, right? Yeah, <laughs> I like the other one better. I think I'm liking some of the uh, better right now, I, but I can be bought, so bring me back. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to keep an air, a lightheaded air. It's heavy enough here with the U.S. and the world looking at these athletes. So I'm here just basically to – my job is to take things off the plates for the athletes so they can train. Now, it's not to babysit them. I'm not a babysitter. I'm not a caretaker. I prefer to think I'm a motivator. And it's like, get it. To, I mean, I had, I'm had. i starting to have my Olympic talks right now and my Paralympic talks with athletes and just saying, mm, you're, you're doing a lot out there and not training. I said, we're a year out. And I'll just say, my eyes are on you. I said, I'm going to tell you. Or I might have to tell athletes. I had a situation a while back where I was talking to one of the athletes that I knew, and yes, an Olympian not one of my residents, and I had just said, you're doing too much. You have permission to say no, and you could just see this athlete just relax, and she said, I need someone to tell me that, and I went, well, I'm telling you no. Please, no, stop it right now. And so when they're out here, I will just sort of keep an eye on them and say, hey, you might be doing too much. Let's get it back on target. Now, I know after we interview somebody and then I watch them compete, I get very, very nervous. I cannot imagine how your nerves have survived for 20 years. <laughs> watching well, I, I all these... I, huh? I was just going to say, watching all these kids that, that you know so well. Yeah, I, well, I was going to say, it's uh, the other thing that I know, too, I watch the athletes. Um, I started out with gymnastics. Uh, I would sit there with the parents, and sometimes when they'd hide their head, I said, they're doing good, they're doing good, they're doing fine. I don't get nervous when I see the athletes. I mean, maybe that's... What makes me able to do what I do, I don't think I don't take things home with me, but I also, I'll watch an athlete and I know the story. I know how they got there. I know things that other people don't know. But I've also been here 20 years and I know and I'm really excited with the fact that, you know, opportunities uh, here, when we're here at the training center, we, we would give uh, elevator speech. Uh, classes. We'll give even how to eat correctly. Uh, things that, you know, reaching beyond here uh, to their next steps. But I've all seen so many athletes recreate themselves and recreate an equally beautiful life, if not even better, when they move through here. So as I'm watching athletes, I see a big picture. I know this isn't the end all for them. 20 years, I'm actually now seeing athletes that were here when I came here. And on Facebook, I'm seeing their children going to prom. So... It's sort of like I know the whole storyline, and yes, when they're up there, that is their moment to shine. And I always also believe I think I need to throw those positive vibes out. It's like, oh, you know, do a great job, do a great job. My attitude sometimes is they've already done it. They're just stepping into it right, the reality now. So it's over and done even when I see it. But, um, yeah, I just, no matter what they're doing, I wish them the best, but I also know that even greater and more exciting things lie ahead for him. Excellent. Oh, Sherry, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sherry. Hope you have a wonderful Mother's Day. And oh, it, it was fun talking with her. I mean, what a job to have, right? I know. And I, I 
didn't embarrass myself, but I really wanted to be like, Sherry, can you adopt me? I know, right? Can you be my mom too? Can you be my mom just for a little while? <laughs> but yeah, she's pretty great. And well, you yeah, could thanks. just work on your athletic career. Well, yeah, we know how that goes. <laughs> Until they have a um, Olympic event for tripping and falling, I am not going to qualify. I'm sure you could judge that. I could judge it. I could win a gold medal in that. Mm-hmm. I you know what? So and I bet they I would bet they would call those T girls and T boys. And you could have a T girl name. See now that's just getting too far. <laughs> Cause my T girl name would probably be like concussion. <laughs> oh, that's not good. Yeah. But on a happier note, we want to make sure we say happy Mother's Day to our Team Olympic Fever moms. Keegan Randall. Keegan. John Harper Nelson, now her first yes. Mother's Day. Uh, Kim Rohde. Right. I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, uh, Laura Wilkinson. Right. And now Megan Duhamel. Soon be, to be mom. Soon to be mom. You still get to celebrate. And then all the athletes' moms who take yeah. such care of them. Yeah. You know, I, I have to say, I didn't know that Procter & Gamble had a house. And, you know, I bet if you went there, you would cry because you cry at the team mom. The, the Procter & Gamble mom commercials. I do. But then they'd have their nice puffs tissues ready for me. So it'd be okay. <laughs> did you love how she was saying how they have a Pampers room? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm like, that's that is brilliant branding. Right. Nice nice going P and G. Right. But that's really cool. I didn't know that was something I did not know. Yeah, I like that. And I wonder how no, she said that there was in London, so it's been around at least for For a little a while. Few, a few rounds, yeah. I doubt. Well, moving on to our Team Olympic Fever update. Congratulations to Jessica Leclerc, our Team Olympic Fever hockey ref. She will be inducted into the Maine Sports Hall of Fame this season. It's so exciting. That was really, really cool. And well-deserved. Right? Then, as we mentioned last week, Jacqueline Simino, our, our Team Olympic Fever artistic swimmer, was competing at the World Cup in Beijing. And, man, she cleaned up. She yeah. got a little bit of a haul. I hope she brought an extra suitcase right? for all of her right? medals. You know, will her suitcase make weight? I know that it, she's only packing swimsuits and, like, light cover-ups and stuff like that. But she took home five gold medals and one silver medal in this World Cup. So her next event will be in Greensboro, North Carolina at the end of May. And I think after that, the the tour moves up to Quebec. So she'll be on this part of the world in this she'll hemisphere. She'll be back in while. home soil or That's right. home water, as the case right. may be. Exactly. So John Schuster and Corey Christensen won the bronze at the World Mixed Doubles Curling Championships in Norway. And that is only the second medal won by the U.S. in the tournament history. So congratulations to them. John and Team Schuster are now in Beijing for the Curling World Cup Grand Final that's happening this week and weekend. It's also your last time to check out the pants of Norway's Team Olsrud, which is making its final appearance as a team. And it's not just the... the the grand champ it's the grand final right very that's very elegant you know it's funny because in roller derby like when you go to australia and they have tournaments there they they call it the grand final the championship match will be like oh it's the grand final and you see does it make you feel like you have to get dressed up no you just always wear your nicest officiating clothes okay well team ulcerate will be getting dressed up for the grand final 
Right. Oh, I, I, the pressure of the final pants. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's going to be the final pants you wear? I mean, that's that's some fashion pressure. Moving on to Tokyo 2020 news. As we get closer to Tokyo, there are more. There's more news coming out. The archery venue is done, which is the first of the newly constructed venues to be completed. So that was nice to hear. Do they practice by, you know, making sure that the arrow can hit the apple? I don't know. I don't know. What is their test? <laughs> like, does Robin Hood come in and check to test the archery <laughs> oh arena? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what to do with that. I really don't know what to do with that. <laughs> you just got the image of, like, somebody dressed in a Robin Hood costume. I did, and you just want to go, why? And I hope, listeners, hopefully you aren't just going, what are you even talking about, Allison? No, what because... are, do you even listen to what you're saying? <laughs> you Most do? of the time I don't. But I do listen back to the show and I say to myself, what drugs was I taking? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't know what they do to, like, fully completion. Do they shoot the, instead of a ribbon cutting ceremony, do they have a, yes, they and they the have to, like, shoot the arrow yeah. and break the ribbon. Yeah, yes. that would be kind of cool. But that venue is done. However... Uh, there's a big uh, sporting convention called Sport Accord, which is going on right now. And uh, the Olympic, various Olympic committees do a lot of presentations there. So Tokyo 2020 is there and international federations are there. And needless to say, some of them are very concerned about how their venues will be presented and how the athletes will be taken care of. Oh, sailing was not happy. They were like, there's no shade. There's no hot food planned for the athletes. Um, judo went so far as to say, we, the, the look that you have planned for our events, we do our own events much nicer than that. Oh, they, yeah. Ouch. They were like, no, the look is, you know, you would think Olympic would be very special looking. And Tokyo has said, well, part of it is because uh, we were supposed to get some money from the city and it's not working out right now. So we've had to cut back a little bit and, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with that. Wow. So when they say the look, they mean of the venue itself? Yeah, I think what they have ready to, what they have planned. So um, for, you know, they have to provide, they'll have food there and things for the athletes to take be taking care of themselves. And um, here's what Sailing said. There will be no hot food for athletes at the venue, lack of athlete shade and water provision, medical services not meeting athlete matching athlete needs so that is what uh the kyoto news said and uh they were very concerned about that um that's pretty basic i mean yeah you would think you know that you would have the medical but uh, yeah and it's i wonder also in the planning stages when do you do all those details when do you plan Hmm. out those details or do you just have a bucket and this says this is athlete services and somebody looks at those numbers and says oh that's not going to be enough money but I, I don't know. I don't know how that gets taken care of. Hmm. Um, the Judo Federation said, a senior official named Larissa Kiss said, well, we have events in Tokyo every year, and the venue looks much better than what we are being proposed right now. Right? Wow. Well, you know, and Judo is, uh, Judo's home is in Tokyo, so of course they're going to do it up. It's for yes. their events. So, the yeah, the federa- some of the federations just are not happy. We'll see what happens with uh, 
those plans and how they will change. I'm sure they will change. Watch that budget burst. (laughs) Oh boy. Hopefully not. So in other Olympic news, uh, did you see this? Where Putin ordered the Russian Olympic Committee to get its act together so that they could have their the IAAF, which is the Athletics Association, uh, lift their ban so that Russia could be in the 2020 Olympics. I did see this, and of course, I imagined my bad, really Russian accent during this. <laughs> my my Putin impression that goes something like, "You you you must you must have athletes. You must go to Tokyo." I mean, it's just, oh. And I mean, if Putin tells you to do something, you're kind of a little afraid not to. Well, yeah, but you also wonder, like, if Putin also had a directive, we must win. Oh, you yeah. Know? And, and so, so hence we so, have a doping scandal. Yeah. It's, so now it's like, fix it. He's playing both sides of the fence here. So, no, yeah, well, yeah. we will see now that uh, WADA has all the Rusada sampling. Maybe we'll see what happens there, but I don't what know. I- what I was surprised was was that the Russian track and field uh, association had been banned since 2015. Yeah, they were the for, they are the ones that have done the biggest banning because they were having a lot of doping. So all those athletes got banned before Rio. I remember that, but I didn't realize that that ban had never been lifted all this right. time. Good on the IAAF. That's what I. Yeah, think. I agree. I wish the IOC would get on them as, right. as strictly. Yeah. Yeah, you know the IOC, though. No, Russians must come. Uh, Moving on to some news for gymnastics. This is interesting. So in Rio, they said this was the final year that gymnastics teams will be made up of five athletes. And in Tokyo, they will have four-person teams. Now, for Paris, they're going to go back to five. Right. I was totally confused by this because I had actually missed that change happening for Tokyo. And so when I read this, I was like, what do you mean you're changing the athletes to five in a team? That's what a gymnastics team is. So this was all very confusing to me. And why the change was made, I don't understand. Why they're changing it back, I don't understand. So I think it seemed like a good idea to somebody at the time, and then they realized it wasn't. Right. So I think it, it'll it be good to give more opportunities. And it's it's one person per team, so it's not like it's a huge impact. I, I'm going to be curious to see how it works for Tokyo, just to have the four. And then yes. bounce up back to the five. That'll be, that'll be tough. And, you know, when we talk a lot about uh, gymnastics being such a sport that is dependent on where you're born in the cycle, mm. and, you know... You're lucky enough to be able to challenge for a position on the team with where you've been born, but then now you've had this curveball thrown at you with, oh, but for your Olympic cycle, there's only going to be four positions, not five. Right. And then I was confused because it seems like more athletes were going to be able, because let's say your country doesn't qualify for the team event, because obviously mm-hmm. not every country qualifies for the team event. They were trying to make more slots for other countries to have athletes in the not team events. Right. But it didn't seem like that was actually working. Yeah. In, in I the, yeah. I was confused. I don't know. 
it will remain a mystery until we until we're closer to the games. I think. I think so. Uh, this is kind of. I was really excited to read this. Uh, Lake Placid, New York, is doing some construction and renovation around its ski jump. So they are putting in a new frost rail system for both ski jumps, and their landing hills are going to be redesigned, and they are replacing that current chairlift with an eight-person gondola, which, for people who don't like heights, remember... Oh, do you, oh you didn't take the lift up to the top. No, we walked. I didn't Yeah, no. When Ben they and I went, he had to... Yeah, when, I, when Ben and I went, we had to take the chairlift up, and he had a hard time with that, so... So this will be more like the enclosed... Yes, this will be an enclosed gondola, and it will take uh, eight people at a time, so instead of two. So that'll be really cool. And they're going to add a zipline ride. Oh. So that will be exciting, too. So it's that's a great change, except if you're one of the seven people stuck in the gondola with me. <laughs> just put a blindfold on. You can't look out. No, I'll just carry on and be like oh my god i'm on the gondola in lake placid <laughs> oh my god do you know this 1980 olympics were here oh my god i just i wouldn't want to be in that gondola with me is all i'm saying <laughs> but very exciting it's nice that the olympic jumping complex is getting some love and that it will be continued to be used and uh they use it heavily for training both summer and winter because they've got that whole swimming pool for uh the aerials jumpers to land and train in water so that's exciting and then finally the second season of the anthology series manhunt which was on the discovery channel apparently i did not i've never heard of this but uh it would it sounds like um kind of like uh American Horror Story or something like every season or, or uh, the detective. True detective. True de yes, true detective. Um, so every season is a different story. So the next season is going to be on the Atlanta 1996 bombing. Oh. So. Oh, that'll be interesting. I'll have to take a look for that. Yeah. So they, this was just announced. So I don't know if they've started filming or when filming will happen, but uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. We'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon patrons. Thank you for your support and your contributions help keep our show going and humming along as we get closer and closer to Tokyo. If you'd like to join in the fun and get some cool benefits, we are at patreon.com slash olimfever. And if you want to just contact us and say hi, we are at uh, info at olimfever.com. You can give us a call at... 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. Or hit us up on Facebook at Olympic Fever Podcast. There's also a podcast group that has a lot of fun chatting. And we are on Twitter and Insta at Olympfever. So we love hearing from you. I love it's getting little messages. They make yeah. my day. On that note, I think we will wrap it up for this week. And we will catch you back here for next week for more Olympic-related stories. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. Stay in touch. Email us at olimfever at gmail.com. That's O-L-Y-M-Fever at gmail. You can also leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. We're on Twitter at olimfever, and you can join in the conversation at our Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. They're mischievous in a positive way.